0: Um, We're going to continue in on our series on uh, the I Am statements of Jesus that we are found in the Gospel of John, Um, and uh, I'm going to pick up where where Dan left off last week. He he talked about Jesus talking about the the I Am, uh, the door, this week we're going to pick up right after that, so you can turn to John chapter 11, that's where we'll get to, Um, but to to bring us, uh, um, not up to speed, but just give us a, a reminder of what it is that we're doing and why it is that we're doing this. Um, I have the quote that I, that I gave you before by um, uh, a pastor that, that, I, that I enjoy to listen to. He says this about Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ today is the most ex- extraordinary, the most loved and hated, the most widely considered person in all of human history. More songs have been sung to him, more paintings painted of him, more books written about him than anyone who has ever lived in the history of the world. So uh, that statement, it it says a lot, it it tells us a lot, but I I think that if we really um, kind of ask ourselves the the question about, like, really, who is Jesus? Um, We've seen the the video that, that, you know, at the beginning of of service, that was, uh, you know, random people just asked, like, well, who is Jesus? Um, They had a whole bunch of different kinds of questions, or kinds of answers to that single question. I, I think that um, when we um, uh, answer that question ourselves, what we need to understand is there is a clear answer. If you looked at that video, there were many different answers to that, same, that one question, right? But what we have to understand is Jesus is very clear on who he says that he is. Now, a lot of people in a lot of religions say a lot of different things. Um, over the past few weeks, we've uh, talked about some of those uh, different um, world religions. And, and I wanted to uh, just give you a, another a brief reminder, just to, to kind of remind you that there are differing views of who Jesus Christ is among religious people. And I'm going to use that word religious very, um, very uh, poignantly, very intentionally, because there's a difference between um, religion... Um, and and what Christianity is, and and we'll we'll talk more in a a minute. But world religions, uh, four that that, uh, we narrowed the the, um, uh, list down to today um, was um, Islam. Islam, uh, they they believe that that Jesus is a prophet, but just a a prophet. And they even say they go to the extent that that, that, um, Jesus is a lesser prophet than Muhammad. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school this morning, and it was brought up that, um, about Allah, and that is the God of, of Islam, and is that the same God in which we serve? Well, n- no, it, it's not. He, the, the, the God in, of the Bible, the God in which we serve, we understand that the Bible is very clear that it defines um, uh, Yahweh Elohim as the, the God who exists in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and for a, a, a Muslim, they would um, totally, they would, they would, in some parts of the, of, the, of the world, would kill you for even insisting that uh, Jesus was um, uh, a part of a Godhead or there was a Godhead because they say that there's only, that Allah is all by Himself. So very clearly, we understand that um, that religion alone does not share uh, the view that the Bible tells us about um, who Jesus is or who God is. Uh, another one is, are the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, some of you and many of us have been graced with their presence on our doorstep. Um, and... Uh I, I always feel bad, I, I think they do this on purpose though. They, they, they send, and there's no, no disrespect to old ladies in here, but they send the oldest,, um, mo- most decrepit old ladies, like the, you see them getting out of the car and they can barely move and get like' you're almost in, you feel like you have to invite them in to have a seat because they, they made the trip from their car to your doorstep, so the, the guilt factor comes in. I, you know, I, I don't know, may, am I the only one that thinks that they, they, they do that? I, I, I guess, but take, come on, you, you all have had that same thought, right? Yeah. Like, you have not seen a Jehovah's Witness, like, jump out of the car and run up to the door. <laughs> and, and you might have seen him run away when the dog comes to the door or something. But, uh, no, I think so. that's part of their plan. But the Jehovah's Witness, they believe that Jesus was just a, 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 a mere, like, an apparition, a, a, a manifestation of the archangel Michael. That Jesus wasn't actually a physical person. So we know that that's not true because Jesus himself says that um, can, can, can a spirit uh, uh, alone eat and drink? He says, Give me some fish, give me some, some, some bread, give me, give me some wine, and I'm gonna partake of this. And it didn't like, di- it did not Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? It didn't go in and through <laughs> the floor. It didn't do that. No, it, it, went, it went into his body. It, it, it displayed that he was um, physical. He was a physical, and, and, and that was after the resurrection. So not only before, but after the resurrection, he physically was present here on earth. So that, that kind of blows that out of the water. Um, Buddhism says that Jesus is not God. He's just an enlightened man. He just like attained this, um, this stature where he, he, he grew enough to this enlightenment. Well, we understand that, yes, Jesus, it says that he grew in, in, in wisdom and stature with, with man and with God, but it also says, it's very clear, Jesus says that I am God. And He says that in, uh, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That the Word, if you look at your Bible, is big big uh, w, or capital W, meaning Jesus. Jesus was there in the beginning. Colossians 1 tells us that He, was, he partook, he was, he was there in creation. The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, was there when the, the, the universe was, was created. So he wasn't a created being, he is a creator of all beings, right? So that, that, that's the big thing that, that sets us apart from that. And then we talked about Mormonism. Mormonism believes that um, Jesus is the half-brother of uh, Lucifer that became one of many gods. It goes right there with the, the last one we just talked about. It, it, it infers that Jesus is a created being. Well, the Bible is very clear. Jesus is not a created being. He is a creator. So, I mean, in just those, those four, um, I think there's four, right? Yeah, those four world religions that we talked about, there's many other. There are differing views of who Jesus is. Now, even amongst Christianity, some people like to say, well, this is who I think Jesus is. Or this is what, what I feel that he is. Well, I think that Jesus was a good moral teacher. Or I think he was a good man. I think he's the son of God. Oh, okay, so let, let, let's look at each of those. Or not maybe each of those. Let's look at this in, in a group here. And, and, and take the approach in which C.S. Lewis took. Another quote, I mean, you guys, has anybody like, done any investigation into who C.S. Lewis is since we started this? Anybody? Has anybody read the book Mere Christianity since we started? A couple? All right, yeah? All right? It's, if you have not read it, it's not a requirement like you have to when you get to the pearly gates and it says, uh, have you read Mere Christianity? Nope. Okay, go the other way. No, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's just a good book to help you understand a little bit better the magnitude of, of the faith in which we have. And C.S. Lewis did a, 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 a masterful job in doing that in this book. Says, he says this. I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people say about him, him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as the great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. a man who was merely, er, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his, his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. That's a powerful statement. And that's really the the focus of where I I, I was drawn to um, this series of uh, answering the question, Was Jesus a madman? Or is Jesus Messiah? That's the question in which we have to ask. I don't think that there is any um, uh, greater question in which we can ever ask, uh, and when we, or I should say, answer uh, while we're on Earth, because if we do not answer this question correctly, and I, and I don't want to say like there's, you have to, there, there you have to, all these steps and everything, but there is a correct answer in which the way in which we answer this question, and it's not merely in words alone, because we can answer this question, and say, yep, yeah, he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, but then if our lives don't back up that in which we profess, we are living as if he's just a madman. And as it says here, he made a lot of, of claims, and we're going to look at one of those claims today. So, as we are doing this, be, I, I know that, that we're, I'm, I'm sitting around a, a bunch of y'all, and I would say that if not everybody, most everybody here has, has a, um, a, a, an answer to this question already that is in, in, the, in the direction of Jesus as Messiah. And I'm not going to to, um, argue with you on that. I'm just going to ask this. Does the canvas of your life display Jesus as Messiah? Or does the canvas of your life display Jesus as a madman? Because at at the end of the day, we can say a lot of things, right? Well, anybody, I know that we've heard this in our house, actions speak louder than words, right? Right? We can say a lot of things, but are we, are we backing up what we say by the way in which we live? And I think that that's that, 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 that area in which we're, we're, we struggle a lot. So what I want to do is help with clarity of like, if you're saying these things, well then let's take action on these things. Because you have the, the greatest basis and the greatest foundation in which to take action. So turn to, to John chapter uh, 10. In John chapter 10, it, it, this is, um, like I said, Dan uh, uh, preached last week, and he, he began uh, this chapter. And um, he, he, he told us about the door, and he, he explained the, the, the sheep pen, and he explained um, how the, the, the Jesus is the door. He's the one that, 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 that lets in and out. He's the one who takes in and takes out. He's the one in, in which um, a good pasture is found. Also in this text, what we see is, is it identifies Jesus in, in another way. It identifies Jesus as the good shepherd. Now, I, I don't know if anybody in here is a shepherd. I don't think so. I mean, it actually has livestock who has sheep. But that, that is something that is not re- we're not real familiar with. And even this imagery, we're really not a whole lot, uh, we're not really familiar with. If you're outside of uh, having any type of church background or any um, involvement, even some, most people in the church don't even revert refer to themselves as this. But um, we have to understand that the imagery in which Jesus is using these figures of speech and this, this language, he's using it as um, he's the shepherd and he has sheep. I don't, I have never like if I have and I don't believe this but just have fun with me for a second you know people think that they have spirit animals well I'm a cougar or I know you're a donkey but um no one would say well my spirit animal is a is a sheep well, why because sheep are, are does, do anybody know the characteristics of sheep they're what they're like dumb. really dumb <laughs> they're stupid right they're scaredy cats, afraid of everything, right? They they, they get lost in an open field. Uh, there, there's, I mean, and some of you are like, wait a second, you're starting to offend me. Okay, fine. If I offend you, we're 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 all in the same boat, because I'm not the one who's calling you sheep. I'm not the one who started all of this. Jesus says that you are sheep, we are sheep, and He's the good shepherd. And I think that as we are going to progress through this, there's something that we have to accept. And I was going to give you this at the end, but I think it's it's pertinent now. Start to work on this, this truth. Accept that you're a sheep. And accept that you have a good shepherd. Because until you accept that you're a sheep, all you're going to do is try to rebel against the shepherd. When you understand what Jesus is going to say here and how He is a good shepherd, when you understand that I am a sheep, I don't know what's best for me. I might think that I want to go wander out over here, but I need to follow what the shepherd says. When we accept that, that, abundant, that, that life to the full and the life abundantly that, that, that Dan talked about and told us last week, that's where we're going to understand it, where that comes from. It's understand that we have to fully depend upon the shepherd because when we depend upon the sheep, because what happens is when when, when you look at sheep, sheep usually follow sheep around. When one sheep starts to wander, well, where's he going? I'm gonna go ahead and fall over room. And then we get a whole bunch falling in the wrong way. And what happens? They fall over the cliff. Or they get snatched up by the wolf. What, what it says here, what Jesus says. But understand, accept that. Just 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 take a moment and, and swallow your pride i I, I, I got to do this too. Swallow your pride and say, <clears throat> okay, I'm a sheep. With all the characteristics that go, go with being sheep, I'm accepting that because why? Because I have a good shepherd. Let's look. Let's look what Jesus says here. Verse 11, we'll start here. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Okay, r- r- really, really, really quick. Is, is he kind of like um, mincing words here? Or is he like very clear, like saying that this is what it is? Very, very clear, right? So we don't have to say, well, you know what he really meant was, well, my interpretation of this is, no, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is, not, who, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There's like a pattern there or something. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, So Jesus is very clear. He said when he says, "I am the good shepherd." He goes on to say that there's other types of of, of people that uh, have come and tried to uh, tend to the sheep. He says, "Hired hands." Here, Uh, um, further or previous, previous on in there in the the part that um, uh, Dan went over last week, it talks about thieves and robbers as well. That there are, are those who, who, who come to the, the sheep and that are, that are thieves and robbers or they're hired hands and, 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 and they don't care for the sheep. They don't use language like, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. This is, th- you know what's cool about this whole thing? I don't know if you all know it, but Jesus was a partier, right? D- did anybody know that? Now, I'm not saying like he was doing the cake stands. Get, get your minds out the gutters. When I say that Jesus was a year, Jesus went to many parties. This time right here, he's come, he's come to another party. And we, look at, we can understand these parties too. Like they're called feasts. This feast in which Jesus has come, because this is a part that some people kind of, they, they, they lose the context of what's going on. So they think that Jesus is just kind of like roaming around and people are following him and he stops and he's like, oh crap, I've got to do it again. I am the good shepherd. No, he he doesn't do that. He has a a, a purpose in in what he says and where he says it. The feast in which he is a part of right now that he has come to, that he is uh, is partaking of celebrating here, is called the Feast of Dedication. Uh, Everybody's like, oh, I get it now, right? No. So, what is the Feast of Dedication? Well, the the Feast of Dedication, what we have to do is we have to kind of look at history a little bit. And please... For those of you that don't care about history, just hold on for a second. This, is, this, is, this will help. It might be a little boring, but whatever. You're going to watch commercials that are boring too. So act like it's a commercial. Um, so the, the Feast of Dedication. What happened in the 2nd century B.C., around uh, 167 B.C., is that um, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes comes into, the, the, uh, into to Jer- to Jerusalem and he goes, in, Antioch Epiphanes, he, he, was, he was a Greek ruler and, uh, from the Seleucid nation, whatever, that's all geeky stuff you don't need to know. Anyways, he was a non-Jew, a pagan, he comes into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, takes over the temple, and he sacrifices, pagan sacrifices to Zeus in the temple. So on the Temple Mount, the place where that is set aside for God's people to meet with God, he comes in there and he totally desecrates it. If you're an Old Testament buff, you would understand that he is the abomination, or the abomination of desolation that is referred to in the book of Daniel. So he comes into the temple there and he offers pagan sacrifices. So this is in, in the, 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 the winter months in which this, is, this takes place. Well, then what, what this did is it sparked this, this Jewish revolt. And if you do read history, it's the Maccabean Revolt. And the reason it's called the Maccabean Revolt is because this family called the Maccabees um, basically had enough. And, and, and by them having enough, they, they, they led this, this guerrilla warfare, basically, in to retake the Temple Mount, to retake the Temple, to purify, then, the Temple. And after three years of this all going on to the day, they rededicated the altar of God back to God. They consecrated the, 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 the Temple Mount, they consecrated the Temple. So in 164 B.C., Uh, They they set this feast in place, and this feast was to signify and to celebrate the rededication of the temple of God. So in in essence, when they say feast of dedication, that's exactly what it is. So think about this. Think about this when Jesus comes in and they're, they're celebrating this feast of dedication. That they're celebrating the, 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 um, the, 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 the Maccabean revolt and this revolution that, that took place where um, God's temple was, was given back to uh, the people and, and sacrifice was, was then um, uh, done in the temple once again. Uh, what we have to understand when Jesus is talking about thieves and robbers, he, he could be like saying like, do you remember? The dude that came in here, and the reason that like, you're all celebrating is because this dude in here came in here and jacked everything up. Like He, he, he came in here and he desecrated everything, and, and, and through this revolt, now we're able to, to, to remember what it is that's going on here. So, so the religious people and, and, and everybody standing around, well, they were like, oh, okay, thieves. I get the thieves. What about the robbers part? What, what's the difference between a thief and a robber? Well, m- many theologians believe that when Jesus is talking about the thieves and the robbers, that, that robbers can also mean bandits. They can be termed bandits. And, and if you think about bandits, they're actually referring to the Maccabean family. Even though they're the ones that led the revolt to come in here to drive out um, the, 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 uh, the, 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 the pagans, they didn't care for the sheep they were all looking for power. They were looking for prestige. They were looking to. We want the name. We want the, 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 the nation of Israel. They're looking at. at we got to sustain this. We got to we got to uh, put this back together because it says that after this all happens, if you look through history, they ruled in in uh, over uh, Jerusalem at that time. Then, so the, the, these bandits, and I like I like using that word bandits. It reminds me of Smokey and the Bandit, right? Who else didn't think of that? Right? Well, I think it's smoking the bandits. These bandits, it, it, it's re- re- referring to uh, these people. And what we have to understand is then we can get a better context, a better grasp of when Jesus says thieves and robbers, they come, to, they come to steal and kill and destroy. And then he goes on to say there's even those that are hired hands. I fully believe that as we're, we're reading through this, Jesus is then looking at the Pharisees and saying, like, this is you. You're, you're the hired hand. Well, what do you mean they're the hired hand? Well, if you look to see what the hired hand does when the wolf comes, I think that we have a, a really good picture of why Jesus is talking to and addressing the, the, these Pharisees. Because it, it does say there, it says that um, he who is a hired hand, verse 12 and not a shepherd so he, he's uh, identifying like you're not a shepherd it's not like you're not you don't hold the title of, of shepherd because they would actually think of themselves as leading the people and shepherding the people but it, it's not that he, jesus is saying you don't have the qualities the care for the sheep therefore you're not a shepherd I know, how do you get all that? It's, it's, it's in the context. It's in the original language. It's understanding what he's saying here. He says that he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. So when the stuff hits the fan, I, I know you guys can put a, what other adjectives and stuff in there, nouns and all that gram, grammatically funny stuff. When it hits the fan... What happens with the religious people? Deuces, I'm out, right? Y'all gonna have sheep or wolf hair? Have a field day. You need some tartar sauce with that, or hot sauce, or something. What do you eat, sheep? Frank's Red Hot. Frank's Red Hot. Okay, I don't know if they had Frank back in. Hezekiah's Red Hot. But Jesus says that there are these hired hands. What what I love about this is we can see that right off the bat, Jesus is addressing the religious people of the day. Jesus is saying the hired hands are those who have all these religious rules and regulations. And this, I'm going to use the word that's been coined recently, is religiosity. But they have no relationship with the sheep. Jesus comes in there and says, you know what? I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to tell them this is what's happening. You're religious people and you have a lot of religion. And the Pharisees, there is no one more religious than the Pharisees. But Jesus says, it's not about the religion, it's about the relationship. I've come, and you know what the ultimate show of my relationship is going to be for my sheep? He says, I'm going to lay down my life for them. What is He saying? Exactly what He he's, he's he says here. He's, he's referring to the cross and laying down His life for the sheep. Laying down His life to... And you have to understand what a shepherd is to do, to lead and feed and protect. He says, I'm going to do what's necessary to be not only just a shepherd. He says, the good shepherd. And I love how it goes on in they respond. Look at verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. In other words, he's a madman. Right? You you see that there? Why listen to him? Exactly. If Jesus was a madman, why listen to him? That's the question in which you should ask yourself or you should ask your friends. I think you should start with yourself. Because I think that that's where, where everything needs to really start. Is okay, I need to ask myself the question you know, really, if Jesus was a madman, then I'm fine. I could do what I want and I don't have to listen to him. Others said, <laughs> these are not words of one who is oppressed by a demon. These are not words of somebody whose head turns around and spits out pea soup. Right? It's that time of year. You know it. I know that you, some of you. Heathens are watching that crap, but hey, I can't. That's on you. Ooh, did you feel the conviction in the room? Either that, or it was just dang, I got caught. Anywho, can a demon open the eyes of a bl- of the blind? There was a division among them. There were some that were saying he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and there were others saying, "Wait a second, what he's saying? That doesn't that doesn't come from someone who is a madman. That comes from someone who is." Hey, I wonder if he's sent by God. Verse 22, at that time, this is where we understand the time that this was taking place. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple of the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, love this question. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly think about that. I mean, I, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that, that that's funny, but yeah, it's like, they're coming up to him like, alright, enough's enough. Tell us plainly. Are, are you the Christ or not? Come on, man. Just tell me, right? Can you, can you see that in them saying it? Yeah, come on. Just tell me. <laughs> no, one has, no, one, no one's kids does that but mine. Please. Come on! Put your hand down, Dad. <laughs> Jesus answered them. You understand when, 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 when Jesus is asked a question, he answers. I, I love this. Jesus answered them. I told you. You know that there had to be some type of snicker or some, it's not Jesus is like, I told you. It's not monotone, monotone. He has he has some emphasis in his voice. He has, he has some. I would say he has some angst in his voice. I told you, and you do not believe. And I say that I, that I believe that he had angst in his voice because I don't think that, that, that God, uh, and when, when Jesus is here on earth and he, he's, he's, he's talking to these, these people who d- aren't believing in him, I don't think that he is, is approaching them with this chip on his shoulder. and pr- I think that he has pain saying like, hey, you just don't get it. You don't understand what's going to take place. Like, I'm going to die and I'm going to provide the opportunity for you, but you're still not going to get it. I told you plainly, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. We talked about you know, the, 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 the seven miracles in the last series about what, what He did. But you do not believe. And He says why they do not believe. Because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I still can't get that picture out of my head that Dan gave us last week about Shelley, with all of the dogs following behind her. Right? Come on. But it says that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Before we get into that last, that, that, that last statement there, but look what he says. No one is going to snatch them out of my hand. No one is going to snatch them out of the Father's hand. This is where I, I, you, we have to rest. Rest. Because not only does the, 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 the shepherd uh, provide, or, uh, lead, feed, and protect, that's not the only attributes, it's not the only um, roles and jobs of, of uh, a shepherd. A shepherd procures rest, gives the opportunity for rest. It, the, a shepherd takes the sheep somewhere where they can rest. And what Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this opportunity to rest your soul. What do you mean? Because he says that once you're mine, no one can take you away from me. Once you're, once you're in my flock, I don't care how bad you jack things up. No one can snatch me out. No one can snatch you out of my hand. And I'm gonna take it to the next step. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. No one, that includes the sheep itself. Even a rebellious sheep can't say, I'm jumping out. No one can snatch you out. Now, does that mean that as when someone gives their life to Christ, that they can come to Christ and then they can, um, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming to church. I'm going to give my life to Christ, and then, whoo, I got my get out of hell free card. Now I can just go raise Cain and do whatever I want to do. And, you know, I've already got my, I'm, I'm secure, right? I got my eternal security, so I can live however I want. No, you you don't understand who the Good Shepherd is, because what you're saying is. With your mouth, He's Messiah. But then what you're saying with your life is He's a madman. And if actions speak louder than words, you don't truly believe He is who He says He is. The Son of God. I, I, I love how when He goes on and He says, I and the Father are one. And when He says that statement, it says the Jews picked up stones. And and, and look at this, this little word that follows that. Again, how many times have you read that and just kind of just glossed over that? says the Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. This wasn't the first time that Jesus offended someone. When Jesus is asked a question, He gives an answer. Most of the time, it's offensive. Why is it offensive? Because what happens is when questions are asked, it's usually the answer that comes back from Jesus is you've got to change something. And people are like, well, I'm not willing to do that. That's offensive to me. I want my Jesus with long flowing hair and birds sitting on His shoulders and let me do whatever I want to do. No, Jesus is not that. That's, that's not the real Jesus. It said that the Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. If you're wondering where the gen comes from, if you flip one page back, it's when, uh, in, in chapter 8 when He says, before Abraham was, I am. And they like, I don't like that either. So the Jews picked up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered him. This, this is funny. They're, I mean, I, I wish they would make a good movie with, with this and act these out, because they're standing there with rocks, getting ready to, to launch them at, 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 at Jesus. Maybe it was, you know, Baker Mayfield then they, they knew that he, they weren't going hit to hit him or anything. You know I had to sneak that in there somewhere today, right? <laughs> But, yeah, I no, come on. That's all right. But, but they're standing there with rocks. They're standing there with stones because they were willing to stone him. They were not standing there with pebbles like, I'm just going to hurt him. They were standing there with the intent to kill him. Why? Because of what he said. And it, Jesus says this. He answers them. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? For some reason, I had this picture of Robert De Niro's. I have done many good works from the Father. But which of them are you we were going to stone me? Sorry, we'll get there. But he says, I've done a lot of good things. What are you going to stone me for doing good stuff? The Jews answered him, This is not for good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Tell us plainly if you're the Christ. Well, I want to throw a rock at you because I don't like your answer. You you, you see that? When when people say, well, Jesus really didn't, never really said that he was God. Baloney! Right here, they were going to kill him because he said, I am God. Because that's what blasphemy is. Jesus gives clear evidence so to the, the question for the answer to the question which they asked. I don't know how much clearer they can get, so, but, but, but the response was what, 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 is, what is interesting here. Because even when they got the answer to the question, they didn't... I don't think they really wanted to know the answer to the question in the first place. They wanted to continue on in the way in which they were living their life and not have some, some son of God... Tell me how to do it. I know. He doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't know the the situation I'm in. Well, if he was really God, he wouldn't let this happen or he wouldn't let that happen. I am the way in which I am because I've had a lot of bad things happen in my life. If he was really God, he wouldn't understand. He he would understand why I act like I do. No. He says, I'm the son of God. and he, he, He tells us the way in which we are to act and the way in which we are to walk. Because I, I was thinking about this, and I think I was talking to somebody this week about it. And, and um, you know, I get to talk to a lot of people about a lot of different things. And one of the things that I get, that I get, I don't want to say bombarded with. It's not a bombardment. It's kind of like a, it's it's a blessing, really. Is that that, that concept is like,
1: if God, God was really
0: a loving God, why do all, why did all of these bad things happen?
1: I, 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 I want
0: to believe that God is. Loving, and I want to believe all of this stuff, but why does He allow all of these bad things to happen? And in every case, I I, I don't, I don't have that answer. But as I was talking, I think I was talking with Kurt this week. We were talking about this and how to how how God uses this and everything. And you know, it it would be terrible to say, you know, you know, well, remember that God uses everything for good uh, for those who are called according to His purpose, and that He could take a bad situation and make it, you know, into good. Is that true? He can. But when you say that to someone who has lost a loved one, or when you say that to someone who is in the darkest place in their life, basically what you're saying is like, okay, just get over it. That's not loving. But but here here's what when I was when I was talking about this and we were talking, one of the things that came in to to, to my spirit, and I'm not getting all super spiritual, but I don't want to just say it into my mind because I felt this, is that. When when we talk to someone who has that past, that has all these bad things happen, and, and we see that they're, they're making choices, they make decisions because of all of this bad stuff, we can easily say that these things affected who they are. Right? We, w- we would all a- agree with that. And, and I would believe that, and I would say that the devil has had his, his reign and all of that, taking the bad things and making you feel basically like crap. But what if? What if we put it like a marker? Whatever, draw, draw a line and say, okay, you know what? I can't change any of that. And I don't like to feel the way in which I feel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to look at this situation and not even try to figure all this out, but I want to use, because I do believe the truth of what God's promise is, that God can use everything for good for those who are called according to His purposes. I'm going to choose to take the, 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 the approach that I'm not going to be defined any longer by all of this crap. I'm going to say, no, God can use all of that crap because what's that manure, right? It makes things grow really well. I'm going to use that and I'm going to be identified by who he says that I am from now on. Instead of instead of being defined by well, if he was a loving God, he wouldn't let. Yeah, I I I get it, and I can I can I can actually sympathize with you in that, and I can't explain all of that away. But the devil has, has had control of your heart and your mind for so long and is identifying you and making you identify with this kind of stuff. What if we put a stop to that? Because it says that we, in Christ we're free. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. What if we took that, this moment and said, okay, no, from here on out, I'm going to look for the good. I'm not saying that you don't act like things didn't happen. All I'm saying is you're not identified by the things in which happened. And that's what Jesus... When we look at all of this stuff here, and Jesus says these statements that I and the Father are one, and He says that that, I am the Son of God. He says I am the Good Shepherd. That I'll lead you in paths of righteousness. What we need to do is we need to look to Him in in, in that promise. Instead of trying to bring up, but i got all of this stuff back here. Dragging it along. I, I... I don't have an answer to that. No one does. Quit looking for that answer. Quit looking for the answer to explain away all of those things. Understand that you know, in Christ it says that we're a new creation. That we can be identified by the one who is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us all. Because when, when, we, when we accept that, When we accept that, and I'm not saying if, I'm saying when. When we accept that, it says here that He has given us some promises. Because when Jesus says, and I'll ask this question for you, why does it it matter if Jesus is a madman or a Messiah? It matters completely because if He was just a madman, the promises that He gave are just, just empty words. But if He's the Messiah... These promises that He's given about leading and feeding and protecting and procuring rest, or securing you, giving eternal life. I had an awesome, uh, 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 and it was a really quick evangelistic moment with a, a buddy of mine at the gym this week. It was just re- in, in passing, I mean, he, uh, he, he opened himself up um, a few weeks ago and, and told me that he's like deathly afraid of just about everything. Uh, and he was swimming. It was on vacation. He was swimming in, in in some water, and I guess that there was this waterborne parasite that uh, swims into your um, male parts and uh, can can kill you, right? Eat your brain or something. I don't know. I know that some people say that men's brains are below their waist, but I don't know how all that works. <laughs> but he was ta- he, he fell into the water, and he was terrified that he was going to die. And we were we were talking just in passing yesterday. Actually, I think this was, or maybe it was the day before. No, it was yesterday. And I looked at him and I said, "You know, for a guy who 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 is uh, I'd use paranoid, paranoid about things and about dying and everything like that. Have you have you ever given a thought like what happens when you die? Oh, I know, I know. You know, it's hey, one day you're here, one day you're not. I was like, well, yeah, you're right, but what?" What, what, what do you what do you think about that? Well, I don't know. I can just hope for the best. I loved it. I mean, it was it was awesome. I said, well, you know, you don't have to hope, right? Well, I know it's just like a, you know, it's it depends on what you believe. I said, you know what? Whenever you're ready to talk about that, I'm here. Now I'll stop my way. There's not very, very many things I'll stop my workout for to to, to talk to somebody, but if somebody want to talk about that, I'll stop. Hey man, let's let's talk. Because at the end of the day, there's no one else that's going to lay down their life and give you eternal life than Jesus Christ. That's what we have to understand. And, and that's why when we, when we ask the question, what, do, what does it really matter if Jesus is a madman or Messiah, it, it matters everything. Because if Jesus is a madman, hear me on this, I, I think that you'll get a kick out of this. If Jesus is a madman, Psalm 23 is a poem. But if Jesus is Messiah, Psalm 23 is a promise. Turn, turn there. Let's look at it. Because I think that in, Jesus says that there are, there, there are different flocks. I think there's madman flocks and there's, there's the Messiah's flock. The madman's flock looks at, at Psalm 23. and this, oh, this is a great soothing poem just like uh, Walt Whitman. He's a, po- a poet, right? Yes! That was the first one that came to my mind. I was going to say Shell Silverstein. Is that another one? Yeah. Look at that. I'm on a, like, Dr. Seuss. There we go. It could be just a poem. But, but, but the, the fact of the matter is, that if, if this is just a poem, it would read more like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, unless things aren't going my way. Um, or or if, I, if I have the desire to do something. Well, it says that he makes me lie down in green pastures, if I want to. If it's comfy and there's no pricklies there. Well, he, li- he leads me beside still waters. You know, if it's not too hot or not too cold. If it's just at the right temperature. He restores my soul. He lets me do what I want to do. Right? He leads me in paths of righteousness as long as they're in line with what I want to do. And, you know, for His name's sake. well, yeah, but as long as it, it benefits me in the long run. Well, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't fear any evil except for, you know, the thought of losing my, my leg or that little bug swimming up that place and <laughs> killing me. But other than that, I don't, I don't fear any evil other than just like not waking up uh, uh, or, or snakes, right? <laughs> for you are with me, except when you're not there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, as long as you don't use them to correct me. I mean, I could go on, right? That, that's, that's what a poem, like you can insert these things in here, and that's what a, a poem from a madman, that's what, what the outcome can really be. But if Jesus is the Messiah, this goes from being a poem to a promise when it says, The Lord, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You you understand that that, that, that in that alone, the, 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 the sheep is fully dependent upon the shepherd. Remember what I said at the beginning? That we have to accept that we're the sheep and we have a good shepherd. And once we, we, we accept that we are the sheep and we have a good shepherd, this promise is what should and it can guide us through our life. So when it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Jesus says many, 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 many times, fear not. Have no fear. Be not afraid. Why? Because it was something that, that every one of us deal with. But it says, even though I'm in the darkest place I've ever been in my life, I don't have to fear. Why? Because you're with me. The shepherd doesn't let the sheep wander off alone. The shepherd walks with the sheep through that dark place. I don't know what that dark place is. I know that there are some that are in that. Some that have just been through it. Some that will go through it. But we have to understand that we're not alone through it. And we have to understand that because the Good Shepherd is with us through this, it says, the comfort that comes from Him, it says, your rod and your staff. Do you understand what a rod is for? For prodding along. It's for correction. There's some times we need corrected. There's some times that, 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 that you're doing something stupid and you need to hey, get in line. But there's also not just the rod. It says the staff. What's the staff? We, we think of the staff and the, the, the shepherd's hook on The staff. It's for rescuing. It's for protection. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Next week we're going to talk about the resurrection and the life, and we're going to reverse engineer really what this this psalm says in the sense that we're going to start with the end. If we started with the end and said, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we'll be able to understand the rest. Because the ultimate purpose of the Good Shepherd is to tend to His sheep and to care for His sheep and to guide His sheep while here on earth so one day that we can enjoy Him in His presence in heaven, in the place in which He's prepared for us. We have to have the view of of, of the end of eternity. We have to have that view if we're going to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. We have to understand that the Good Shepherd cares for His sheep, and no one's going to snatch them away. Let's pray. Our Father God... um, My my prayer is that uh, as we're continuing on in this series of of, of, if you Jesus are are, uh, just or you were just a madman that uh, we don't really doesn't matter about anything, but if you are the Messiah, that that our lives really um, should uh, resemble that. Uh, God, we 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 talked a few weeks ago about how it's not doing right and wrong, but it's walking in the light. So God, let us walk in the light as you were in the light. Let us accept the fact. That we are sheep. And accept the fact that you are a good shepherd. And accept the fact that you laid down your life for us. No one forced that. It says you laid it down on your own accord. And you have the authority to take it back up. And you did. And it's because you conquered Satan, sin, and death, Lord, as the good shepherd, and we as your sheep, that we can one day, when we depart this life, we can be in your presence forevermore. So God, my prayer is that if there's someone here that has not put their faith and their trust in you, God, that they can do that right now and they can understand that it's not a bunch of special words and it's not a special prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. God, it's understanding that you are Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are God. And that you came here to pay the penalty for our sins. The penalty in which we can't pay. And as a good shepherd, you laid down your life. So not only can you take up your life as you did, but you can take up our lives as well. So Father, I pray that if there is someone that they can, that they don't know you, that they can, and not just in words, but they can, as it says, not only confession with the mouth, but with the mouth, but a, a, a belief, and understanding in their heart that you are who you say you are, and you did what you said you did. And God let our lives be different. I mean, we're not a bunch of freaks. but God we're, we're really we don't display you like we should. So God convict our hearts to, to live more, in the light of You being a Messiah and not a madman, so we can communicate to the world that, that You are who You say You are. Father, for those who have been identified by the the evil that has happened in their past, God, is my, my prayer that, that, that we, can, um, we can draw that line and, and let the devil no longer lie to us and tell us we're defined by that but we can understand that we're defined by who You say we are. God, for the rest of us, we just ask that um, we can be faithful to You. Lord Jesus, we pray this in Your name. Amen.